Well, good morning. It's wonderful to see you again here this morning, and we are continuing our conversation on Crave. And remember, this conversation is about the things that drive us as human beings. And as we are in this conversation, we are recognizing that God has put within us desires. They are God-given, and they are really meant to pull us towards who He is. And so let's pause and let's pray once again before uh, we begin this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to once again, Lord, gather together in the name of Jesus and desire to learn more of how we can be instrumental in the work that you are doing. And I pray that this morning would be helpful in that way. Might you give me clarity in the things that I say and may our hearts be open to how you would speak to us and what you would desire to do with the things that you do minister to our hearts. Bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we began uh, talking about intimacy and we kind of looked at the dysfunction of intimacy, kind of the dark side of intimacy. And I've heard it said that hatred is really just love having a bad day. Sometimes, you know, it is the things that we love that cause the most grief. And the people that we love the most are the ones that we can also get the most angry with. More than anyone else, they have a way of getting to us because we've made ourselves vulnerable and that's the nature of love and that's the nature of intimacy. And so last week we talked about there's the envy, there's the jealousy, there's the pride, there's the lust, there's all these things that still are a part of the desire for intimacy, but they take us down a wrong road if we're not careful. And we've seen examples of it in Scripture, and we know the examples, I believe, in our life. But today I want to look at love on a good day, okay? I told you guys last week we're going to try and change things up and not be so detrimental. I don't know. I didn't want it to be so depressing. And so if you have a copy of the Scriptures, open it up to 1 John chapter 4. My There it is. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at what love is. Now, John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He is one who is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And here is someone walking with Jesus, close to Jesus, who is giving us understanding, basically, on all that Jesus said. And the things that are important, especially here concerning love. And so 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. We read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us 
and his love is made complete in us. Amazing how love is seen in us as we love one another. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. As John is declaring this, important understanding of who God is. It is connected to love. It was interesting that when many people were asked, what does God feel like to you? Their response was, he feels like love. But then the question is, well, then what does that love feel like? And so John is trying to clothe this understanding of love. And we see that love is foundational to our connection, not only to God, but to one another. Because this is who God is. And then one of the traits of love, one of the things about love that is helpful, one of the positive aspects about love is that perfect love drives out fear, as it says in verse 18. Which it says, as soon as this thing changes, it's not changing. Rick, could you change to the next slide? Since my thing, there it is. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear is one of these things that limits love. And what healthy love does is eliminate fear. Now, I've always thought it interesting because the scriptures tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I'm always kind of like struggling. Well, how is it that we are supposed to be free from fear, but then we're supposed to fear the Lord? And it's one of these things that actually, when you look deeper into it, it gives us some understanding. You see, because what fear does is it limits us. That's what the word phobia is. It's fear. And so claustrophobia, the fear of small places. You won't go there because you're afraid to go there. And so fear puts limits. I'm unwilling to do this because I'm afraid. And isn't that true with us and love? I'm afraid to go there because what if I'm shot down? 
What if they don't return the love? What if they don't give back what I'm giving out? And so that fear keeps us from going further. And so when we fear God, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you're my limit. I don't have to fear anything under you. I just have to fear you. And the idea of fear isn't one of slavish terror, but it's actually one of respect. And when we fear the one who loves us unconditionally, then it removes all other fears. If God is for us, who can be against us? What shall I fear what man can do to me? Why don't I fear what men can do to me? Because God is my limit, not men. And so the understanding isn't that it keeps us away, but actually that it brings us to a place where we don't have to fear anything but the one who loves us perfectly. The next slide, Rick, it says, Proverbs 28, 14, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. Happy is the one who fears the Lord. What a contradiction of terms. Happy is the one who fears? How is that? Because again, when we put him as the ceiling, there is nothing below him that we need to fear. And now our love is free. Free from this fear that limits us, that holds us, that keeps us bound. There is a struggle that we have in this area of fear. Because it's dangerous to love. I posted one time uh, on Twitter, I said, it's insanity to run from God and look for love. It's a quote by Erwin McManus. And the feed went on to my Facebook as well. And then a friend of mine from the UK responded to me. And he said, I ran from God and found love. It feels more genuine without having to fear each other. That was his response. And so when he responds that he ran from God and found love, I had to think about what is he saying? Because I know him and I know where he's coming from. And and one of two things is happening. He either does not understand God or he does not understand love. But John just told us that God is love and what is happening is this love is something that he desired but what he was experiencing at the churches he was at or from those who said that they believed in God where he had the conversation, he did not see love. What he saw was tyranny. What he saw was people judging. What he saw is if you want to be accepted with us, you need to cut your hair, you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing this. And the love was very conditional. And he felt like, well, I can only go there if I look like you. And so what he started doing was keeping who he really was away from them. Because I don't want you to know who I really am. I don't want you to know that I smoke pot. Because if I smoke pot and you know it, you won't love me. You won't like me. And so he said, I I ran from them and I ran to love to people who actually cared about me for who I was. 
And so his comment was haunting me. I ran from God and I found love and it feels more genuine without having to fear each other. And so I responded to him, well, then it's good you ran. Because without knowing it, he was actually running to who God is by running to what love is because God is love. You see, this love should not be with the fear of what people will think of me. I I can't go to church because they don't know who I am. Have you ever heard that? Oh, I can't go to church. I'd be struck with by lightning if I went to church. It's like, buddy, you have no idea who comes to our church. But there is fear. I can't go there. Because they don't recognize that God's love is unconditional. And he loves them right where they are at. And for some reason, my friend, and I know the reason because I know some of the people he was involved with. For some reason that he he was not getting that. And so he was living a double life afraid that they would find out who he was. And so what happened is he wanted intimacy And he ran away from the fear, not recognizing that if you fear God, you don't have to fear people. And God loves you unconditionally. You know, so many times our children growing up are afraid to tell us what they feel or ask us questions because they're worried about how we'll respond. If our kids going up, you know, 10, 12, 13 through the teenage years have questions about God or the scriptures, like, how do you know the scriptures are right? Why do I have to believe the Bible and not the Quran? What makes Christianity right, not Buddhism? What, what about these things? If they are afraid that you will not love them or that you will be angry at them, they will be afraid to ask you questions. And so when they have feelings or the emotions about their way of living or the choices that they're going to make, do they know that you love them unconditionally or are they concerned what you're going to think and so they will not go to you because they're afraid? You see, what healthy love does is open the conversation so that intimacy can take place without fear. So that they can go to you, so that they can talk to you openly, completely, and know that you love them. And for some reason, we we live in the world where we can't disagree with one another and still be friends. I mean, you can't be a Republican and have friends with Democrats. Well, you know you can, but boy, it's rare. And each one thinks the other one's of the devil. Right? And man, wait till... Elections come up. This is going to be a lot of fun. You know how it is. And everyone plants their flag and says, I'm right and I'm with this. And they plant their flag. I'm left and I'm with this. You know, And it's just one of these things that they drives them. And pretty soon this conversation is limited. We need to recognize that it's important that love does not bind these things. God is love. And if you don't love You don't know God. Does that mean if you don't love the people who are like you? No. 
don't love people. It doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but I do have to love them. I have to care about them. They need to know that I love and they have to have the freedom to know without fear that I care about them. Now, it's important that I I place here, loving someone, again, doesn't mean agreeing with them and it doesn't mean that you always trust them. If someone has hurt you, someone has betrayed you, has been unfaithful to you in a marriage relationship, someone has taken advantage of you, a business, embezzled money or stolen from you, it doesn't mean, well, I love you, so go ahead, here's my wallet, just take it. I love you. You know, It doesn't mean you're foolish. It doesn't mean you trust them with those things, whether it's your heart or your money, but what it does mean is you desire what is best for them that you still want them to do well. And you want them to know that God desires that as well. So that they always feel they can call you. You might say no or no thank you. I don't want to. But they have the freedom to know without fear that you are there. And so many times it's those people who have hurt us, who come back to us, and we have opportunity to have a louder voice in their lives because they have wronged us but we come back and give them love without fear they know that I can go to you and I can receive something and it actually opens up their conversation with God and so this is one of the healthy things about love that's right that was amen in baby language turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Oops, there it is. 1 John chapter 3. You see, not only does love drive out fear, but it, it does more. Chapter 3, starting at verse 11, it says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So this is the message we have heard from the beginning. This is the foundation that we are to build on, that you should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. How do we know we've passed from death to life? Because we love each other. Anyone who hates a brother or sister... Wait, did I pass? We pass from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. So heavy words. Now what we're seeing here is what love does is love actually breaks down barriers. Love removes the obstacles that hinder us with other people. Not like Cain, who was jealous, envious. Why was he envious? Because his deeds were evil. He was filled with pride. He was concerned about himself, not the deeds of his brother, who was actually making an offering and a worship to God. And what love does is it removes those kinds of barriers that keep people from coming to us or to God. You see, love is expanding. Love grows. Love extends itself. 
One of my first jobs was at a bakery. I washed the dishes. I'd go in after school and they'd have all these cookie sheets that I'd have to wash and then these pans where they bake the cakes and all these things. And so I'd go there after school and by hand we had the sink and I'd get in there and I'd wash all these pans and pots and I'd put flour into the bins and get all things ready and mop the floors, just cleaning up the place. One day they invested in a dishwasher, but it was made specifically for the cookie sheets that we had. And I thought, oh, great, this is wonderful. Actually, it was cutting my hours. But anyway, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. And so we got it. The first day we get the machine, I I get this notice, you know, here's what you do. It's just this written thing. Put the soap in the machine, put one bucket of soap into this area of the machine. You put the pans in and you close the door and you press the button. And then it's like goes on for a few minutes and then you can go do some other things. I thought, hey, this is cool. I can go eat some cookies. And then while it's washing the pans, you know, I come back. And so I did it. I put this brand new machine. It was huge. It was this giant machine. You know it costs money. I, I took a bucket of soap and I poured it in there and I shut the thing and I pressed the button and I went and started talking to the ladies who were there at the front cooking and doing the selling and I was just talking. And all of a sudden I heard one of them just go, Ah, get over here! I go out and it was like an I Love Lucy episode, okay? <laughs> the whole back room is just filled with soap bubbles. I'm like, up to your neck and soap bubbles. It was like the coolest but scariest thing, right? It's one of those things. I ran there, I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like wading my way through and there's the machine and it's just billowing bubbles. It's just billowing. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And so I turn the machine off and I, I run and I call the owner who had some issues. He, he drank a lot and was mean. Um, and so I called him up and I... I, I his name was Ed, and I go, Ed, this is Sam, yeah, the guy who cleans up and stuff, and I, I got the machine, and I'm do- and bubbles are just everywhere, I did what it said, and he's like, well, what happened? And I told him what happened, and he said, you, he called me some names, and he said, you put the wrong soap in, I put the concentrated soap in that we use for, pom-. it's the only soap I knew, I didn't know there was another soap, they didn't say use another soap, I'm just putting that in, so you know my positioning. And it took hours. I had to drain the machine. I had to wash through it and wash through it because this soap just wanted to go. And it was really cool. But I ended up quitting because, yeah. And love expands. You just add water and it grows. And you know when it happens in your life. You you know when you encounter someone and you care for them that you want to extend yourself to them. That you want to give of yourself to them because that's what love wants to do. Well, you know, can I give you a call? Yes? Okay, great. Hey, can we get together and hang out? Yeah, great. That's the nature of love, to expand, and it can't control itself. I remember when Corrine and I were dating. You know, you're testing the waters, putting your foot in, like, do you like me? You know, 
And when you find out she does like you, and then you start calling her, and we didn't have cell phones, so we just had the landlines. And so I'd call her, and she'd talk to me, and we'd just sit there, and it'd be like one in the morning, and we wouldn't be saying anything, I'd be falling asleep, but hey, yeah, yeah, no, I'm here, I'm here. I just wanted to be on the phone. I just wanted to, to extend myself to her. Can I see you Saturday? Oh, I have to work Saturday. Oh, man, I really wanted to see you. Can I see you Sunday? Okay, yeah, yeah, I get to see you. You know, I was just wanting to, can I see you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And then we get up to obsessive. But then the whole point is when you love, you extend yourself. When you love something, not even a person, when you love doing something, it's not hard to do it. If you love working on automobiles, something's wrong with you. No. <laughs> if you love working on automobiles, it's something that you do. You like it. And it's like, oh. You know, I, I, we had some automobile problems, and so we took it to our mechanic, and then Adelia said, oh, you should have called me. It's like, why, you know, why would I, why would I call you? I, that's what I do. I like doing that stuff. See, now, I don't, if you have automobile problems, don't call me. <laughs> I almost lost my salvation over a car, you know. It, it's just, I was underneath putting a transmission in, and I was, yeah, I was going to destroy the world. But when you love it, yeah, give me a call. If you love painting can't wait to have some time and just paint. When you love playing guitar or music, you, you want to get out there. You want to practicing, even though it's laborious, it's something that you expand yourself in because it's something you love. And that's what love is supposed to do. It's supposed to break down barriers. It's supposed to expand. You know, the group down in La Paz is left church that they were at because they were being ineffective reaching anybody. And so they felt like we need to leave this place that isn't open to others, isn't unconditional towards others, that other people outside of our faith aren't being a part of this. And so they left. And now what they're doing is extending themselves to other people. And so we did the creativity tour a little while back, and then I found out just a couple of weekends ago they invited all their friends over and they had dinner. And they made like five pounds of sushi. And I was really jealous because they didn't make sushi when I was there. But that's what love does is it opens the doors and it extends themselves. So now they're in relationship with these other people. Why? Because that's what love does. And so what we know about ourselves in relationship to who we are is if we are not extending ourselves to people, then there's probably something going on within us where we're not loving. And we have to do a little kind of self-evaluation, say, why am I not extending myself to other people? Are you afraid? You don't have to fear anyone but God. What's keeping you? Are you comfortable? And so you limit what is happening in you because of that fear. He goes on and says, next slide please, Rick. Chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 16. 
He continues. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Let us love with word and in deed. And so what love does, next slide, is love moves us to action. Love is meant to move us. You see, the essence of love is proven in the action of God. God gave himself for us. That, that's what he says there. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So the essence of love is the action of God. And it is impossible to love God and be indifferent to the needs around us. And so if we are, then it's showing us something about ourselves. If we are indifferent if we are not caring, then there is a miscommunication. The, the link is broken between who we are and who God is. Because love goes in to this place of action. And this verse, really verse 18, let us not love with word or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's basically where we've got the name for word and deed, that uh, group of ladies that meet. And do things. This is what it's about. And this is what they're doing. And so the Word and Deed group, I, I want to share some of the things that have happened with them because I don't think all of us are aware of what they are doing. And maybe being aware would incite you to want to be involved with it or maybe even continue it. They meet on a Tuesday mornings when they meet because... That's when they can meet. But if someone could lead a group on Tuesday evening, they could do something Tuesday evenings as well. And we could have a men's word indeed as well if the men would show up. <laughs> so let me continue before we move on. <laughs> Here are some of the things that the Word Indeed has done. They've packed Thanksgiving baskets for Foothill Family Shelter. They packed and delivered cleaning buckets for the new families that go to the Foothill Family Shelter. They wrote 150 Christmas cards for residents at a nursing home in Ontario. And it did wonders for those people. Bless them. 150 Christmas cards. Just wrote Christmas cards to them. They wrote out anonymous letters of encouragement collected and delivered coloring books and crayons for the waiting rooms at medical clinics. They packed snacks for the children here at Genesis and the children's ministry for November and December. Those of you who were part of the children's ministry, remember, hey, we got snacks every weekend for those kids at that time. That's because they did that. Now, someone else could always step in and continue that continue to, to be an example in action. But this is some of the things that they did. They baked and set up a Christmas cookie decoration party for Refuge. High school group got to enjoy that. They collected coats and toiletries and took them to the homeless with coffee and breakfast sandwiches in December. They organized an outreach for all of Genesis, sent birthday cards to a little two-year-old girl named Bailey who's fighting cancer, worked again at Foothill Family Shelter office stuffing envelopes for fundraisers, 
and another time wrapped water bottles with their logo label on it for a thrift store grand opening. They volunteered at the Foothill Family Thrift Store, and they're in the process of having a sewing group make tote bags that will fill the items for the kids in need in the local school district. This is some of the things that Word Indeed has done. You see, it's love in action. It's love doing. Because when we think of God loving us, it's not like God is just up there going, Oh, I love you. <laughs> I have such warm feelings for you. That's, that's not what we know as love. It's extending himself. It's giving of himself. It's making himself available to us through the person of Jesus. It's giving of himself and showing us that he does indeed love us unconditionally. And you see, this is what happens when we love in a functional way. We're not afraid. It expands and it gives. And one of the contrasts between last week and the dysfunction and this week, when we talk about intimacy, the dysfunction of intimacy is self-preservation. It's the pride. It's the lust consuming. It's the envy, looking at myself. It's all about self-preservation. But we see the functional aspect of love, a healthy aspect of love, is self-sacrifice. It is giving. And now the words of Jesus make so much sense. If anyone wants to find their life, they must lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, the life is found in the giving, in the sacrifice. And so many times the reason God isn't doing something in our lives is because we are not doing anything. But if we would give of ourselves, we would find that in that giving is where we find God, where we encounter God. And when we sacrifice, it's when we encounter the miraculous. It's when God shows up because we trust we're not afraid. And then the love expounds. You see, Psalm 25, 3, it says, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Hope always speaks of the future. No one who trusts or hopes in God will ever be put to shame. No one who hopes in God will ever look back and say, That was stupid. What a shame. But we know this of love. Next slide. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, this is the function of love. It is our future. It's where our hope resides. And if we want to be people who are healthy in this drive that we have to be connected to other people, to be connected to God, this is what it looks like. It's not afraid of what people will think. It's not afraid and limiting those things. What could you do if you were not afraid? 
It is expanding. It is growing. It's giving of itself because it's what it wants to do. It wants to help. It wants to serve. It wants to create. It wants to give. And it is active. It's not passive. Healthy intimacy is seen in the actions that take place. The reason someone knows that you love them isn't because you feel it. It's because you show it. The reason people know that we love them isn't because we say we love them. It's because we show love to them and how we conduct ourselves. And you see, if we would be willing to recognize this craving that God has put in us, that is pulling us, and we would see the way we want to go that is going to be healthy, that's going to be constructive to a healthier life for ourselves and for those around us, then it will be like concentrated soap in the souls of our lives. It will just overflow. It'll just, it'll be crazy. It'll be fun. It'll be insane. You'll never forget it. You might get fired, but you won't care because it is worth everything. And it's where we will encounter God when we are intimate with Him and close to those around us, loving, caring, and doing the things that God would have us do. Remember, one of our core values, our core statements, is that we are to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. That's our desire. How do we change the world? By effectively representing Jesus. How did Jesus change the world? He loved and gave himself. That's where our life is found. Let's pray. Lord, we all come here today with baggage, with hurts and things that have happened in our past. And so I pray that this morning you would bring healing to those areas of hurt where we've been betrayed, where we've uh, been taken advantage of, the, the things that are making us fearful and stepping into intimacy, the things that are, are keeping us from giving of ourselves more fully. Lord, may we not allow that fear to have hold of us. And, and Lord, I pray that that would be recognized, that everyone here, if there is something like that that has taken place, Lord, that they would see it, they would acknowledge it, and that they would not be afraid of it any longer because what we fear, need to fear, is only you. And Lord, as we take these steps towards you, Father, may it expand your love in us so that the world sees you in us, Lord. And Father, I pray that we would be known because of the things that we do 
And Father, my prayer for Genesis is that we would be people known by love and it would just continue to grow and develop in our hearts and in the hearts of those around us, Lord. Might it overflow. Might it just be your love concentrated in us, God. And I pray for everyone here, Lord, may you enrich their lives with your presence and your goodness. And Father, as we take these steps of sacrifice, of giving of ourselves to you and to others, Lord, might it be met with your fullness, your spirit's filling, with your power. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your unfailing, unconditional love. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the God of love fill your lives with his presence. May you not fear anything except the one who loves you unconditionally. And may your love ever grow in the lives of those around you. And may others see that you are his disciple by how you love one another. God bless you guys. Stand and let's close in a last song.